Welcome to Wednesday Word, a Bible study led by Pastor John Jenkins of Northport Baptist Church. Okay, take your Bibles and look in Leviticus chapter 23. I bet you do, yeah. Oh, so Leviticus chapter 23, probably one of the most fun chapters in the whole Bible. Yeah, right? Isn't Leviticus your favorite book of the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to look in Leviticus chapter 23 for a very special reason because today happens to be uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, on the Jewish calendar. Okay? So I want to show a little video for you. This because because uh, Israel is almost 10 hours ahead of us, I guess, right now. Uh, this was a video I received this morning from a, a news feed I get that thousands of people have gathered at the Wailing Wall. Jews have gathered to pray on the Day of Atonement for the forgiveness of our sins. This is the beginning. I mean, this is a part of uh, what we're going to talk about today, what it means to have the Day of Atonement. So watch this video and just listen to the crowd. So as you can see, there are thousands of people gathered at the Western Wailing Wall for this very important day. Uh, it's called the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, according to what they say in Jewish words. Uh, it's part of the days of all. Uh, in, this, in the uh, Leviticus 23, we're going to start there and talk about why this day is so important and how we got it in our uh, calendar but in Leviticus chapter 23, <clears throat> Moses was given the laws of religious festivals for the Jewish people. And he says this in verse 1, <clears throat> The Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. So these days are given to honor the Lord. There are days to turn our hearts and our affections and our worship and our devotion back to the high, most holy God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the one true living God, Yahweh, is who is who we worship. And so he says these are his days. You know, we all have special holidays we celebrate, right? Personally, your birthday is an important day. Your birthday is a a special day celebrated annually in your life to remember you, to remember, re remember the day you were born and to reflect on your life and to celebrate the life that you have today because that's your special day, right? Your anniversary is a special day in your life. Today to remember the joining of two hearts together in holy matrimony. It's a special day 
annually celebrated in your family probably, right? And it's along with other family traditions and stuff you may have. Well, just like you have your special days, birthdays, anniversaries, we have national holidays like 4th of July and such, God has His holidays. He has His special days. His special days that He wants us to remember Him by and to call us back to Him annually. And this is to be done forever. And you say, well, some people say that this is all just Jewish tradition. We're Baptists. We're Christians. We don't observe these things. I, I, I tend to disagree. And I, as I, and I say that because growing up in a Baptist tradition, we just didn't study these things because it was thought, well, that's Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant. We're under the New Covenant. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But these are God's appointed days, and He said they're to be forever. God's Word doesn't change. Why would God say forever just means during the Old Testament period and not for eternity? But these are God's special days that we honor Him by. And so, <clears throat> so I really do appreciate how that the things of the Old Testament is a glimpse into the revealing of the New Testament covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. So it does play a part for us. He said, and so what we see here in chapter 23 is God is showing Moses these uh, festivals to celebrate the Lord with. And we're going to just, I'm going to hit throughout this chapter all of these, okay? Chap verse 3 says this, For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. So the first festival is the one that was given in the Ten Commandments to keep the Sabbath and remember it and to keep it holy. One day a week that we should all rest. And all God's people said, Amen, right? How often do we rest on the seventh day? Not very much. We have lost the art and the, and the ability to truly rest in the Lord, to rest our bodies, to rest the land, to rest from labor, to renew our spirit and our mind and our bodies before the Lord. God wants us to because God is our creator. He made us. He knew how he created us to exist. And part of the rhythm of our makings is that our bodies require periods of rest every seven days. If we don't rest every seven days, we decline in health. We decline in sharpness, acuity. It's just not good for us to go extended periods without rest. So God knew this and he created for us and said, rest your souls, rest your bodies every seven days. Verse four says this, these are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. And here we get into some of these religious festivals. He says, in the first month of the 14th day of the month, at the twilight is the Lord's Passover. So Passover is the first of the spring feast that are celebrated by the Jewish people and by God's people. You know, we have done a Passover Seder here at the church a couple of times. How many of you have been to, been to one of those? Most of you have been. If you have not been to one of those, we'll try to do it again 
uh, maybe this year. Uh, we don't do it every year, but we didn't do one this year, do we? So maybe we're due to do another one, okay? Uh, we really enjoy those. So there is the, the feast on the 14th day of the month, uh, the first month of the year. That's the Passover. And then the very next day is the beginning in verse 6. On the 15th day, it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this is a seven-day feast. He says, for seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And then he moves on there uh, to the next one. After that, verse 15, he says, you shall count for yourselves seven uh, from that day after the Sabbath. From there we brought your in the sheaf of the wave off, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths counted. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. And, and it says in verse 17, You shall bring in your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two tenths of an ephah, and they shall be a fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits of the Lord. So in the spring we have the uh, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then we have the Feast of Pentecost, which is the offering of the new grain, which is the bread offering. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's actually two harvests. There's two harvests. The, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the beginning of the, uh, is it wheat or barley? Barley is the first one. That's when they bring the grain offering, okay, with the Unleavened Bread Festival. And then with the Pentecost, with that, that late spring festival, this one there in verse 15 and 16, they bake bread and bring a, a bread offering before the, before the offering, uh, before the Lord that day. And it's interesting that, you know, some of us have talked about this. What's so special about these holidays is the fact that Jesus came during the, the fulfillment of all that. Jesus was the fulfillment of these, these spring feasts. Jesus came. He was our Passover lamb offered for us, offered on the day that they're still offering their sacrificial lambs there in the temple. And then he was the uh, unleavened, unstained uh, bread offering for us on the unleavened bread. And then, um, what's the th I'm skipping one there. There's one right after the, the unleavened bread. First fruits, that's it. Yeah. What verse is that in? Verse 9, chapter. Speaks when you enter the lamps I'm giving you, reap its harvest, then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits to your harvest of the priest. First fruits, that's it. I knew I was skipping one. So, so Jesus rose from the dead on the day, the beginning of the Feast of First Fruits. First Corinthians says that like as Jesus was raised from the ground, He was the first fruit of, of the living, of dead from the living. We also would be raised like Christ. So Christ is an example to us of the life that we're going to have in Him as uh, over death. And then, of course, Pentecost. So in the church was given at the same time that the Pentecost uh, Spring Festival was being celebrated. So then we move forward there in that chapter over to verse 22. It 
says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap the very corners of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. This is still talking about the spring festival of Pentecost. You are to leave them for the needy and the alien. I am the Lord your God. And again the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, in this, Now we're moving to the fall, okay? In the seventh month and the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by the blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. So this is the first of the fall feast, which is uh, Rosh Hashanah, a one-day festival with the blowing of the trumpet. And this blowing of the trumpet is a call by God to prepare them for the upcoming feast that is today, Yom Kippur. At Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpet, it is the beginning of the Days of Awe, A-W-E, that the Jewish people call this. These are the days of preparation for the most high and holy day today for the Jewish people when they will solemnly commit themselves to prayer, as you saw in this video right here. They will gather together for a day. They call it a day of fasting. However, in Leviticus 23, it doesn't say to fast. We'll read that in just a second. So the Feast of Trumpet is a call by God to prepare yourself for the Day of Judgment, the Day of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. In verse 26, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, On exactly the tenth day of this, this seventh month is the Day of Atonement, it shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this same day, he shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on this same day, that person I will destroy from all this people. You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and all your dwelling places. So God is giving instructions there to Moses, to the people of Israel, to the Jewish people of what to do on this day. And he says there, on this day, it's, it's calendar today, they're to humble their souls. And this word, humble of their souls, in some descriptions call it, in your translations may say, inflict your souls. <clears throat> and what this means in, in the original language is um, bowing down, brow beating, or just really looking downward upon your own soul. It's a time for introspection and self-analysis, spiritual evaluation, seriously as to the state of your soul before the Most High God. It's not a day of just light, hey, it's a good day, you're going to go to church and throw a little offering in the plate and, and just, it's a, it's a great day. You know, it's not a day of celebration. It's a day of solemn reflection and introspection before God to look at your heart. That's what this day is about. And it's also a day of offering by fire to the Lord. So for the, in the time, the biblical time period, soul searching, humbling yourself before God, and then going and worshiping God in the temple 
with an offering. And so we need days like today. Now, in the Jewish tradition, it's different from Scripture, traditions have developed that they fast on this day. And on this day, between, the, between uh, Rosh Hashanah 10 days ago and today, Jewish people in modern times are trying to do everything they can to make things right with God, to make things right with people. They're seeking forgiveness from God. They're seeking forgiveness with one another. They're doing good deeds. They're making financial pledges and offerings to uh, charitable do donations to things this time of year because it's, it's an act, a gesture of, of uh, showing righteousness and good heart and generosity. So Jewish people in particular, even the most unobservant Jews will typically observe this day. They may not observe Passover. They not, may not observe the other Jewish holidays, but quite often a Jewish person will observe today in some measure, okay? And that varies from individual to individual. But you can see by this video that you watched, this is a great day in the life of the Israelis to be able to gather and to solemnly come before the Lord in repentance. Today is about repentance. Now in our Baptist circles, what do we do? We uh, have grown up, and I'm in a similar gener generation as you, what would we have every year in the Baptist church? A week-long revival, right? That used to be our annual revival. It's a period of time in the Baptist life where we call our people for a week, come together at church to hear some hellfire and brimstone, stepping on your toes, preaching to convict you of sin and draw you back to God, right? We all grew up, many of us, in those kind of churches. So it was, it was a similar tradition, different name, different title. But even we as Gentiles recognize the need to have annual seasons of repentance. It's a good thing. And God wants us to annually consecrate ourselves to Him. And so... Um, now, for the people of the Jewish tradition, and, and I'm just going by what I've read and heard through the years. I don't have any documentation in front of me. But uh, in the Jewish tradition, they believe that on this day, if their prayers are heard by the Almighty and He forgives them of their sins, that their name is recorded in the book of life for just one more year. Just one more year. It's not a perpetual, eternal thing. Whereas we as Gentiles, grafted into the vine as followers of Christ in the new covenant, we know the completion of the covenant in Christ Jesus, that we are eternally secure in Christ Jesus, forgiven of our sins in Christ Jesus by the blood of Christ, who is our Passover lamb. And so we don't have to come back and wonder, is my name going to stay, stay in the Lamb's book of life? It's written there and written in blood to stay forever by the blood of Christ. So, so we see here <clears throat> this day is so important. And so just to go ahead and finish out the last one here. So after this, this most important day, a day of repentance, and, and, and also from what I've read and talked to people, 
the Jewish person does not know for sure. All they can do is, if I asked a, a Jewish friend of mine, hey, were you forgiven today of your sins? They'll go, I hope so. I don't know for sure. I hope so. And today, uh, there's a, a guy that I follow on um, social media, Amir Sarfani, who's a Messianic Jewish believer that lives in Israel today. And uh, he said that the saying today for Yom Kippur, what Jewish people say to each other is, I hope you have an easy fast. Just as they're, as they're walking through the day, they run across a friend. They know today's a day of declared fasting for their people. And so they'll just walk around, hey, man, hope you have a good day. Have an easy fast today. Have an easy fast. Hope it's a good one, you know. Hope it's not hard. Have an easy fast. Well, isn't that kind of missing the point? You know, to slice a day and say, I hope this day is easy to where I'm not suffering. I'm not having to have that hanger that you get, you know, when you're, when you're hungry and angry, you know, angry feeling. You know, Jewish people are just like Baptist people, Gentile. People are still people. I don't care where you go. I have been in North Africa in an Arab nation where they have Ramadan, and I've watched them cheat their fast to have an easy fast, you know, we as human beings, we don't want anything to be difficult. If God is requiring something of us, let's make it as easy as possible. And so like I saw in North Africa, being there for their 40 days of fasting, they're supposed to fast from sunup till sundown. No, no food and no water and not even swallow your saliva. They, they're, they're, that's, the, that's the rules of the Muslim culture with their fasting. And so to get around that, they cheat to try to have an easier fast by sleeping in as long as they can all day long. They'll reverse their days. They'll, they'll take, their, take vacation or whatever and just sleep all day when you're supposed to be fasting and then wake up in the afternoon well, I can fast for a couple of hours till sundown. And when sundown hits, they got fork and spoon in hand. They're waiting for the, the call from the imam across the speakers, you know, to hear that prayer across the speakers say, this is our holy convocation, it's time to eat. And they're ready to eat as quick as they hear that prayer. And then they'll stay up all night just gorging themselves, feasting and, and eating together until so they think they can make it the next day. And what are they doing? What human beings do? We want to make it easy. Whatever we can do to limit the suffering that we have to go through before God. And the Jews are doing the same thing today by saying, have an easy fast. Hope it's an easy one for you. Figure that out, you know, <clears throat> make it as easy as possible. When we have our fast here, when uh, Pastor John calls us to periods of fasting, he lets you choose how you want to fast. And I'm human being too. I'll find the path of least resistance, you know, how I can figure this out and not have to suffer too much, but suffer just a little to just sort of consecrate. It's our human nature. But at least God's asking for one day here to fast and consecrate ourselves.
So <clears throat> let's move on to the last uh, festival, then we'll come back to some more things about today. In Leviticus 23, it says, uh, verse 31, I think we're, we're at, it says, uh, you shall do no work at all, perpetual state throughout your generation. All dwelling places, verse 32, is introduced into the last feast. It says, uh, It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls on the ninth month of that evening. From evening to evening you shall keep your Sabbath. Sabbath. And again the Lord spoke, saying, verse 34, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of this seventh month, is the feast of booths for seven days to the Lord. And again, this first day is a holy convocation, no labor, laborious work of any kind. Seven days you should present offerings by fire to the Lord. And on the eighth day you should have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. Is it an, it is, it is an assembly? You shall do no laborious work. These are the appointed times of the Lord which you shall proclaim as holy convocations to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings and sacrifices, drink offering each day's matter on its own day. So in a nutshell, he goes on to say in verse 42, you shall live in booths for seven days. All of the native born in Israel shall live in booths so that your generation may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So, so this final one comes uh, there right after uh, today's festival of Day of Atonement. It's followed by seven days of living in tents, basically, going camping, okay? Because they camped for 40 years in the wilderness, just living in a tent, very mobile during that period of their lives there in, 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 the, in, in, the, uh, in the desert. And the whole time while they were living in those tents, wandering in the wilderness, God was with them. God was abiding with them. God was guiding them with the fire by night and the cloud by day. Guiding where they should go. Intimate relation with them. So we, people have said, and I tend to agree with this, what it may look like, if Jesus fulfilled the spring festivals on time and on cue with that, Jesus is going to, in similar way, fulfill the fall feast. Because what's the first one in the fall? Feast of Trumpets. What is yet to happen in Christ's second return? There's going to be a sounding of the trumpets, according to 1 Thessalonians. There's going to be a sounding of the trumpet, and that those that are dead in Christ will arise and meet Him in the air. There's going to be a calling of His people together. That's what the trumpet means. It's a calling of the assemblies of God. And then what happens next? The Day of Atonement. That calling of the, the, at the time of the rapture, the tribulation, is going to be a time of judgment for the people of the earth. A solemn, serious time of affliction. As y'all have studied with Pastor John, the book of Revelation, we can see in the future that this will be a solemn period of time upon the earth. This Day of the Lord, as the prophets of old have talked about and described this period of judgment that will come literally by fire as well as the fire of God's judgment for their sins. And then at what happens after the, the day of atonement, the day of judgment of God, 
He's going to come back and reign and dwell here for a thousand years in a millennial reign, which is representative of the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Booths, where He's going to dwell with us. So we see here a very similar blueprint for the first coming in the spring feast and a blueprint for the coming of Christ a second time with the fall feast. Take it for what it's worth, you know, I don't know, but it sure sounds very convincing to me. So in that being said, uh, I want to go back to a couple of things on the Day of Atonement. Uh, I've got this wonderful little book called The Book of Mysteries. Uh, Miss Glenn is not here. Uh, Her and Dr. Glenn gave me this book when I first came here. And it's a wonderful little book written again by a Messianic Jew. And I want to read what he says in his book about today, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. He says this, and I'm just one page, real quick, a little devotional. It says this, The days that open the Hebrew month of Tishri, he said, from the Feast of Trumpets to Yom Kippur are seen as the holiest times in the biblical calendar. Why? They are the days of repentance when the shofar sounds on the Feast of Trumpets. It's a signal that only 10 days remain until Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is linked to the sealing of one's eternal destiny as on the Day of Judgment. But it's not just these two days that are considered most holy, but all 10. Together they are called Yamin Noraim, the days of all, or the awesome days. Why is it awesome? Because their end is linked to the final day of judgment. So they declare that one doesn't have forever to repent or to make things right. Only one has these set days before it's all sealed. So they must be pretty intense. They are. During the days of all, observant Jews do everything they can to get right with God, to make things right with others, to forgive and be forgiven to repent, to seal up loose ends, and to right what was wrong. It all has to be finished before the sun sets on the eve of Yom Kippur. But does this apply to us now, I said, in the Messiah? The days of all are a shadow of something much greater. For the days you have on earth is not forever. They have an appointed end, and at their end comes eternity beginning with the day of judgment when your destiny is sealed, either for judgment or redemption, and the only time you have to determine your eternity are the days of this life, the days that you now have on earth. Once they end, it's all sealed. So these are the only days you will ever have to get right with God, to make things right with others, and to right what is wrong. So if you would ever get right with God, get right with God now. If you would ever make things right with others, make things right with Him now. If you would ever rise to your calling, rise now. And whatever good you would ever do in your life, do it now. For the times you have left on earth is nothing less than Yamim Noraim, your days of all. So the mission, he says here, look at the remainder of your days of your life in a new way as the Yamim Noraim, Get right with God and those in your life, for today is the day of all. So that's sort of, from a Jewish perspective, the purpose and the meaning of today, Yom Kippur. So with that being said, um, that's all I got.
Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next week as Pastor John continues the study. And if you're looking for more, find us at northportbaptist.org.